Amen. God is in control. Amen. God is in control through his word. His word only. God is in control through his word. Mm, 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 mm. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, we're privileged to be able to gather, come together in your name, under your anointing. Lord, and we thank you that the anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes of bondage. That's what the anointing does. Father, we, we draw from the anointing that is on your word. I thank you, Father, that you've anointed me to deliver this. And I, and I thank you, Father, that signs follow those that believe what is preached. Your word says so. We thank you for it. We give you praise tonight in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. 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 <clears throat> um, I, I truly, I really believe that <clears throat> there is a, and, and, I, and I'm just using this word because the Lord gave me this word just here a while back. You've, I think I've said it a few times in service, but <clears throat> um, I really, I really believe that, that there's a constant strategy of the enemy to disrupt in your and my life. There's a, there's a, there's a constant strategy from the enemy to try to disrupt and to convince us that In one sense, that God can't do what he said he could do for, for you. I mean, in one sense. But it's more than that. It's, it's, it's deeper than that. Because there's things in, in every person. There's things in every person. Because the Bible says that, <clears throat> that within the soul of a person, there are depths of darkness in the soul. Jesus talked about it in Matthew, that there were there are depths of darkness within a person's soul. When you get born again, your spirit man becomes light, but your soul doesn't change a bit. You have to be taught the word, and the entrance of his word begins to bring light, and the light dispels the darkness, but there's... There's levels and layers of darkness that the, an- the enemy uses as a strategy against defeating your life. The devil wants you and I defeated, totally. He doesn't want you to believe that you can be free of things that, that hinder your life. He doesn't want you to believe that. And so he has a constant strategy that is, that, that you know, he'll work one way. And we, and we gain victory, but he'll work another way, even, in, even something that is similar to what you've gained victory in, he'll hit you from another direction right. to try to convince you. Now, sounds like we're all about the devil. We're not about the devil. We're about his strategies being spoiled, being exposed, being cut off, 
Because they're assignments against your life. Well, why would you have an assignment against your life? Because you're a threat to the enemy. Amen? I mean, I'm telling you tonight, you are, you are a, a definite threat to the enemy in your life. And because of that, he has a strategy to try to defeat you and convince you you cannot become free in your soul. That's what he's after constantly. And everybody sitting in here tonight has something in the form of darkness that you are either dealing with or you will deal with. Because they'll never come to a place, if, if, if your soul is a container that is like this tall and this big around, and it has layers inside of that container, in this life you're never going to come to the end of that container of darkness. Yet the darkness is getting lighter and lighter every day. So the Bible, I'm just, I'm just quoting what the Bible says. That the darkness within our soul is getting brighter if the Word is, is, is entering in. If the, if the Word of God is entering in and renewing our minds and, and delivering and setting our soul free, if we're allowing that, then it's getting brighter and brighter until the full day. When you... When you leave this planet and, and you're in heaven, which is our ultimate destiny for every human being that believes the Bible and believes in the Word of God, you live here till you're done and you cross over to the other side. There's no darkness on the other side, right? right. In him, there's no darkness even down here. But in the soul of man, because of where we've come from, it's, it's a constant battle of things that we've got to overcome. But what I've realized is it gets easier and simpler all the time. That's good. Easier and simpler all the time. But there'll never come a time, listen, listen what I'm saying to you, there'll never come a time when you're not dealing with something. And if you overcome and you begin to rest, and you get lazy, the enemy will come in, he'll come in like a flood and overtake you. Yeah. If you get lazy and you let your guard down. Thank God for the weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down vain imaginations and removing every thought and bringing that, those thoughts to the obedience of Christ. Thank God for what we have. The strategies of the enemy have no right to remain within us. But we got to be violent about it. We have to take it serious every single day because the enemy's out with a strategy to confuse you, to lie to you, and get you to believe things that are not true. And you say amen. So tonight, what we're talking about, again, in our series on prayer, and um, I said all that to read our kind of foundational scripture, which is Luke 18 and 1. I want to read it in the King James, then I want to read it in the Amplified. It says, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, always. And we've, we've, 
gone and given a number of different definitions of what prayer is. It's Number one, it's connecting with God. Men ought always to be connecting with God and not to, not to lose heart, it says. The Amplified says it like this. <clears throat> also, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to turn coward. <laughs> not to be a coward. In parentheses, defining what a coward is. To faint, to lose heart, and to give up. Well, it's just too hard. It's too tough. It's too difficult. God said if you turn coward and there's no connection with God, then you're, you're, it's, like, it's like you're trying to live on planet earth as a foreigner. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He put us here. He created us. And to live here effectively, we have to be connected to him. True prayer is connection with God. He said that men ought always to pray. We've talked about that that doesn't mean 24-7. That means more of an attitude of prayer but connection with God, an attitude that I have to have God in everything that I do. No matter where I go, no matter what I face, no matter what reports come, no matter what it seems like we face, I have to be connected to God. Men have to stay connected to God. Can you say amen? amen. <clears throat> we talked about last... Well, no, it was a few Wednesdays ago. I don't know how many Wednesdays ago that was. But last time we talked on it, we talked about <clears throat> that there are different forms of what we call prayer. Worship and praise are prayer. Declarations are prayer. Intercession is prayer. Supplication or asking is a form of prayer. Warfare is a form of prayer. Deliverance is a form of prayer. Consecration um, Consecrating yourself to knowing what the will of God is so that you can declare things, you can make supplication, you can ask for things, and you get the results, right? So tonight I'm going to kind of look at it, <clears throat> at those different types of prayer in the form of why we need to be effective at connecting with God, why we need to be delivered. Why a person needs to be delivered. Every human being needs deliverance. Well, as I grew up in the church, that was a scary word. <laughs> I mean, it was like a twilight zone word, you know. Deliverance. <sighs> you know, demons and foaming at the mouth and, you know, and all those kind of things. I mean, you know, that can be the result of being set free from demons is foaming at the mouth. I mean, happened in the Bible. I've seen it happen many, many times. And when I've prayed for different people and been with other people that have prayed for people, and those kind of things can happen. But foaming at the mouth doesn't mean you're delivered. Right? You can fall on the ground and hit your head and foam in the mouth. That doesn't mean a demon came out of you. Right? No. Deliverance is being, having darkness extracted from the way you think. That's what real deliverance is. Having darkness and the ways of darkness and of the enemy being extracted from the way that we think. And remember I said earlier, he has a strategy. He knows your past. He doesn't know everything, but he knows your past. 
Because he's spirit, we grew up in the flesh, we've gotten born again, we've tapped in learning how to hear the voice of God and how to operate in the spirit, but he's in the spirit realm. So he, he and his demon forces were there when you were born. They were there when you've done things along the way. They, they've been there along the way. And things in us that are not Christ-like or not part of godliness that we operate in, it's a result of things that entered in at different times from the enemy into our soul, our thinking. Because your thinking, your mind, your mind is like a, is like a, it's like a camera that's constantly taking pictures and videos of everything. And lodged and stored in there are all these videos and things of the past that God wants you and I to be delivered of and set free of. So that we can accomplish a connection with him that makes a difference not only in our lives but in the lives of others around us. I'm telling you, people's lives today, I mean, mean, how, how, how many people do you hear every day that are in absolute terror? Because of this, this virus. I mean, people everywhere. I mean, that, that are sh- that literally, they're shutting down from inside. I mean, you know, what, what are people going to do? How many in here of you have ever had symptoms of the flu in your body? Uh, okay. I mean... If you have symptoms of the flu, uh, if you're in school, you're probably not going to go to school, right? Um, if you've got symptoms of the flu, you're probably not going to, and say you have children and they have flu, you're probably not going to bring them to the nursery at the church, right? So you're probably not going to go to different places and stuff that you would normally go to because you've got symptoms in your body, you don't want to contaminate other people, Right? Okay, so you're going to do what you need to do. You, you, uh, people may have gone to the doctor. You're going to do what I'm just talking about in the natural realm. People are going to do those kind of things, but nobody's freaking out, right? But I mean, people are freaking out over this thing. I just, I just took a trip to Mexico. I can't tell you the people that just were freaked out that I was going to go to Mexico and, uh, and I said, uh, well, how many cases are there that they found in Mexico? Well, two. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this winter there were 200 and, or in 2019, there were 257,000 cases of the flu around the world that people died from. And, and the, I've just had different people were asking me about, you know, are you afraid of that or this or whatever? And the best place you can be is where God told you to go. But that, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be arrogant about it. I'm just saying I didn't even think anything about it. It never even entered my mind. I pray constantly to ask. I mean, up until the time that I ever leave, if I go somewhere or wherever God wants me to go and preach and I'm, I'm invited to go and preach and, and deliver the word, up to a day or two before I leave, I'm always praying in the spirit. My wife and I are in agreement. I, I've canceled a trip or something here and there when, when, I, when we felt like it wasn't right, correct? I mean, we just knew I wasn't, I wasn't supposed to go. I had to cancel. It was weird, but I just knew in my spirit I wasn't supposed to go. 
But it wasn't because of something, stuff that was out there, things that are going on. There's stuff going to go on for, from now on, right? But we've got to be, the, the strategy of the enemy is to keep people in fear and afraid of everything that's going on so that it paralyzes people. They can't do anything. It's like you can't even, you can't breathe without thinking you're going to get some kind of contract, some kind of disease or whatever. I mean, you know what? Do, I, I said this Sunday, or last Sunday I preached, I mean, wash your hands, do the things. I mean, if you haven't been washing your hands, you need, to, you, need, you need a wake-up call. You need to wash your hands anyway, right? I mean, just wash your hands. Just be clean. Do things that need to be done. I mean, you know, thank God for where we live and the things that we have at our disposal and, and utilize those kind of things. I'm not saying being stupid about it, but give fear no place because the strategy of the enemy is to try to convince us that God can't do what he promised. And that's a lie. I'm telling you tonight, it's a lie. It is a lie from the pit of hell. That's right. But the strategy that the enemy uses is what is lodged in a person's soul that has not been attacked with the word. And... I want to read this verse of scripture tonight, or this it's three verses, and I'm going to read it in the New King James and then in the Amplified, and I want you to see something about this in the light of you and I connecting with God based on thoughts that try to tell us things contrary to what God is revealing to us. When God tells me to do something, when God tells you to do something, when he's revealing and showing you something and thoughts are telling you contrary to what God is saying, that's a strategy of the enemy to create confusion. And the Bible says where there's, where there's envy and strife, there's confusion in every evil work of the enemy. So where confusion is, you see the devil. Yeah. And, and he wants to keep you confused about what can really happen in your life. So, so I want to read this in Hebrews chapter 4, and it's verse, six, uh, verse 14. Hebrews 4 and 14 in the, um, in the New King James Version. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our what? Our confession. Right? Let us hold fast to our confession, our supplication, our intercession, our connection with God. Let us hold fast to the things that we say and that we believe in our heart. Let us hold fast to that because Jesus has already accomplished this. Watch this. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As, I, as, I'm, as I'm praying or I'm declaring something and I, I'm... I'm making supplication, I'm asking God for a specific thing, what, what he wants is for me to realize what he's already done 
to accomplish what I'm asking for. That's why he said, keep that confession strong. Look what the, how the Amplified words that. Inasmuch then as we have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith in him. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities. That word infirmities there is sicknesses. And liability to the assaults of temptation. i got to read that again. We do not have a high priest who is unable. He's not unable, he is able. Why? Because he's already passed through the heavens. He already sat down at the right hand of the Father. He already said, the work is finished. So we don't have a high priest that can't sympathize. And, and, and so it goes on to explain how he can do that. He said, who is unable to understand and sympathize and have shared feeling with our weaknesses. Why? Because all of our weaknesses, all of our infirmities, all of our sicknesses, you, you, you realize that, I'm just using this because it's out there so much today, coronavirus is a name, right? And his name is above that name, right? And, and so we don't, we don't have a high priest who, when he offered himself, well, there wasn't a coronavirus. Oh, yeah, there was a whole lot more than a coronavirus. There was everything. We don't have a high priest that cannot sympathize, cannot understand, has not already been tempted and tested and touched with all of that infirmity. We don't have a high priest like that. We have one that's already done it all. So when some new thing comes, like this is kind of a new thing, when a new thing comes, he's already been there. So watch what he said. I, I like this last part. With our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation. Whew. Every time that you are tempted with anything, he's already been there. He's already been tempted with it. See, that's why, as I'm saying this, you and I have to meditate deeply on these kind of things because we can't let anything in life get in the way of us embracing and receiving what he's already done. There is no excuse. No matter what we face, hey, we've got stuff in our soul We've got the strategy of the enemy working against us, trying to convince us that what I'm telling you right now is not really true. Oh, how, how, can he, how can he feel something and already been through something that, that, you know, this is the first they heard of it. It's not the first God heard of it. Before the foundation of the world, he already died for us. The plan was already set in motion before any of this was even thought about. Before any evil on planet earth was even thought about, it was already set up. The Bible says so. That's right. So the Bible says 
Jesus has already accomplished everything we need to be able to receive what he said we have a right to, and that is being delivered of all infirmities, all sicknesses, all emotional distress, every temptation that comes against us in life. And listen, how many are alive in here tonight? Okay, so you will be tempted in the next 15 minutes to the time you leave here to the time you go to bed. (laughs) Temptations or tomorrow, the next day, whenever. Temptations are just there. You don't have to accept them. You don't have to receive them, but they're there, right? But there's not one of those that he hasn't already taken a legal right and victory over everything that would happen and come against your life. He's already been there. But he is one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. Let us then fearlessly, how? Fearlessly. And how? Confidently. And how? Boldly. Draw near to the throne of grace the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, to the sinners of the world, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. Come on. That's what he's already set up. And you know why it is that it's just when we need it? Why is God usually not early? I'll tell you why. We're not ready. You just see, you, people say, well, it was just like, you know, I mean, at the last second. Yeah, because it took that in you to get ready. You know, Abraham could have said, you know, Sarah got pregnant, I mean, just at the last minute. At 90 years old, that's the last minute, huh? I mean, they'd been married since their 20s or before. (laughs) Last minute? No, it was when he got ready. The Bible said he began to believe and began to call himself the father of nations when he was 24 years old. I mean, 24 years into when God had called him that. And when he began to change what he said, Hold fast your confession. When he began to hold fast to that, in 11 months, Isaac was born. 100-year-old man, 90-year-old woman. And there was none of that Holy Spirit and Mary kind of deal and none of that. No, that was a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman pregnant with a child. Why? Because he held fast to his confession 24 years later, and it happened. Seems like it was way past the time. No, it was at the right time when Abraham believed God. You and I, we can believe God today. We can be delivered in our soul today as we believe in the power of the spoken word, in holding fast our confession of faith. So, If you're experiencing something, you're going through something physically, mentally, emotionally, you're going through something in a financial realm or whatever it is, it's it's learning, as we've talked about many times, 
developing a daily routine of the confession of the word to change the way that you think. But then there comes a time when you know that you know that you know, even when you don't see it, it's coming to pass. And in the morning and at your coffee break and at noontime and the afternoon coffee break and at dinner time and before you go to bed and all day long, you're thanking God for what he said was so. If it's something financial, Father, I thank you. you. You meet all my needs according to your riches and glory. And I know, Lord, you have taken care of this situation. I, I am rejoicing today, and you'll show me anything that I need to know what to do. And I rejoice today. When that gets inside of you and it becomes real, then what you say comes to pass. And, and listen, listen, it's not in how much you say. It's not in how much, you know, you're working at trying to convince God that you believe it. No, 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 no. That's never it. It's when what you say you believe is true. And that doesn't just happen overnight. But when it comes to the place that you truly believe it, because you've held fast to your confession of faith, and you're acknowledging that what God said is true, listen, it's in the seed of the word that the manifestation comes about. Things are, you think about it. If I'm declaring daily that God meets all my need according to his riches and glory, if I'm declaring daily that God, by the stripes of Jesus, that I'm healed and many other verses of scripture and things that you're believing over your body, if you're saying those things, someone says, well, so you're just saying something and, it, and, it, and your body is just going to be well. Yeah, it is. Because in the seed of the word that I'm declaring, in that seed, is the harvest, just like any other kind of seed. You sow an apple seed into the ground, in that seed, in that apple seed, is many, 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 many bushels of apples. Is that true? When you sow the seed of the word, and you declare it, and you hold fast to that confession, and you begin to really believe that it is true, the harvest comes from that seed. There may be a dozen things that God tells you to do along the way that lines you up to be able to receive what it is that you need. Because the wisdom of God, the understanding of God, is what prepares you along the way. But if you don't put the word out there first, you don't begin to stay connected to the word. And that's what real prayer is, is it's absolute connection to what God says is so. And the enemy has a strategy in your soul utilizing things of your past that you've not gotten rid of, that you are not maybe not been willing to look at or stay with, and he's going to use his strategy through those things to try to keep you from receiving what God has for you. Right. I'm telling you tonight, we're living in a day and an hour when anything new that comes up, anything new that happens, there is no fear to a person that believes that this high priest was tempted and tested, has been through everything, sat down at the right hand of the Father so that I can boldly, what are the words he used? That I can, that I can boldly, confidently, fearlessly draw near to that throne of grace and find the help that I need in times of trouble. The Bible didn't say there wouldn't be times of trouble. But when there's trouble... He's already got it worked out. I mean, are you hearing me tonight? Yes. Is that true or not true? Yes. I mean, has he already worked it out? 
That's what we have to believe. And I'm telling you, you have to go after that and not let anything keep you from really believing he's already taken care of it all. I'm not waiting around for God to do something. I have a responsibility to hold fast. Notice what our responsibility is there. And and, and he says it just just to kind of relieve us of some of the wording of the Amplified. In the New King James there, he says, Seeing, verse 14, that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. That's my part. That's your part. It's, it's, it's important that I hold fast my confession, that I hold fast to the declarations, to my prayers, to the declarations and, and, and the asking of the Word of God, the things that God has commissioned me and released me to ask for, that I stay true to that because of what He's already accomplished. Amen. Now, I want to read these two verses. In uh, Hebrews 7 and verse 25, this is what this high priest does for you, every, for you. Say me. Me. The high priest I'm just talking about right here, he does this for you every day, all day long. He does this for you all the time. Therefore, verse 25 of Hebrews 7, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives. How often? Always. How often? Always. Since he always lives to make intercession for who? Me. Say me. He lives to always make intercession for you. Always. What, what is intercession? It's prayer. What is prayer? It's connection with the Father. Because Jesus, even at the right hand of the Father, notice, he didn't take over the throne. He's seated, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus represents us and only still God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When Jesus came here, he only did the things that were from the Father. He still only does what Father says. Right? And so, he lives to make intercession for you and I on a day-to-day basis. Always. So now, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to crawl to the throne of grace. I don't have to come looking for God and hope that he's going to accept me. He'll accept me. In in fact, he won't accept me if I don't come that way. If I just come crawling to him, there's probably not going to be a whole lot of acceptance. I've got to boldly and confidently and fearlessly come before him and and, and receive the help that's already there for me. In Romans 8 and 27, Now, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. 
Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you by the Spirit of God according to what the will of God is for you. You're going to see something here in verse 28. I'm going to read 27 and 28. But you're going to see something about this passage. Some people have kind of misunderstood this passage, but that's fine. We're not going to misunderstand it. We're going to grow in the revelation of it. He prays for you according to the will of God, and the will of God is everything that his word says is true concerning anything and everything in your life. He makes intercession on a day-to-day basis, always according to the will of God. So, what, what am I saying every day concerning the will of God? Are you saying things on a daily basis? Father, I thank you that you have a destiny and a plan for me. I thank you that that plan is good. And Father, I thank you that that plan is being fulfilled, Lord. And I don't care what it looks like today. Lord, the plan that you had created for me before the foundation of the world, those things are coming to pass in the name of Jesus. There's a, there's a whole plethora of things that I speak that God has shown me about my life. And I'm seeing those things one by one by one just come to pass. But... What I'm declaring over myself is what God says is his will. And Jesus said, I'm praying daily according to his will for you. So that's why I need to not just be saying anything. I need to be declaring daily what is the will of God for my life. Because that way my confessions, get this, get this. My confessions, my declarations are in line with what Jesus is praying for me. Listen to me. Would there be any, I tell you, when my wife and I agree, there's a powerful agreement. There's power at our disposal. But you think about it. I'm praying for me what Jesus is praying for me? Agreement? With the creator of the universe? Hmm? With the head of the church, Jesus Christ? He's praying for me all the time according to God's will for my life, and I get in agreement with that? What can happen? What can happen? No limit. Why? Because now we're praying what he says is so. That's why I've got to know what his will is for me. I mean, the things that have been hidden from the ages is now it's Jesus Christ in me revealed on the inside of me. Not only, and listen, and the things that come to you are not just for you, they're for the planet. Everywhere God sends you, everywhere God takes you, every person God puts you in front of. When you're fulfilling your plan because you know it, because you realize the creator of the universe, the high priest that we just talked about, and what he did for us, he's praying for you every day. Look at the 28th verse. And we know that all things work together for good. And notice what he didn't say there was, Okay, what he didn't say is that he, and I don't don't know, sometimes I don't know where people get some of this stuff, but he didn't say this. He didn't say that some of the all things that are not good things are not things that he orchestrated. He doesn't orchestrate bad. But when things happen that are not totally right, he takes those and turns them around to the good. Because... We get our eyes opened up and we realize, you know what? 
that thing that I thought was so important and I, was, I had to do that and I had to fulfill that thing, that really wasn't God. So I was, I was over here trying to make something work and happen in my life and Jesus is over here praying for me that I would accomplish this. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I'll just tell you this. You've all been called according to his purpose. You just have to find it. I mean, is this a closed book test? Huh? Are we, are we stumbling around in the dark trying to, we got the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. He's here revealing to us what the plan is. He said, who's he talking about? To those who are called according to his purpose. Father, I thank you that you called me, you've anointed me, empowered me to do all that you created me to do on the earth. Daily, you need to be confessing, holding fast to those type of confessions, thanking God that he's revealing to you what his plan and purpose is in the earth for you before the foundation of the world that he already had you planned and picked out and set aside for, those are the things I'm finding. And when I tap into that, now I don't have Jesus praying for me over here about this thing, and I'm over here trying to accomplish this. I don't know about you, but, you know, maybe I'm not the sharpest guy on the planet, but... If the creator of the universe, if the head of the church has my plan over here, I don't need to be over here wasting my time doing something that's not what the head of the church wants me to do. And i just tell you right now, there's no excuse in our lives not to tap into it. I didn't say by tomorrow afternoon. I just said there's no excuse not to tap into it because we have the Holy Spirit. We have the word of God. All of heaven is backing us up. We have the angels of God that are here at our disposal as we learn how to utilize them and get them to work on our behalf. I mean, we've got it all. Heaven came to the earth through Jesus Christ, and we've got it all, and we have this high priest that's accomplished this whole thing. There's no excuse. And so, you know, you know what you do every day? I don't, know about, I don't know what you do, but what I do is I take a deep breath. Sure nobody's standing in front of you when you blow out like that. God, I'm on your side. Lord, I'm a team player. I'm, I'm playing as a team player. That's why we got to be in, within the church world. We got we to be a team. We have to play like a team because God's a team and we're his team members. And listen, if you've ever played any kind of sports and you're off doing your own thing and you're trying to accomplish and win a game in basketball or whatever it would be and you're doing your own thing and the rest of the team is just standing there looking at you because you want to, you want to be the star and you want it to be all about you, it doesn't work. You can't win that way. Hmm? One, one bad apple on five guys or five girls on the, on the basketball floor, one bad apple can ruin the whole team. We've got to be team players. We've got to get on board and receive what he did for us and let him reveal to us what that plan is. That's why your daily confessions hold fast to your confessions of faith. That's 
why they're so important. All 2019, I drove that home with you. We talked about it over and over and over. You can't hear it enough. I'm telling you, you cannot turn coward and get tired and quit. That's what he said. Right? Because it won't produce. No. We're serving the head of the church, the creator of the universe, has the plan for us, and it's a good plan. And he's praying that we accomplish it every single day. Come on, let's just get on board. Amen? Let's get on board and stay on board and stay connected to him. Can you say amen?